meditation, a prayer, whatever you want this to be for you. 30 seconds in between each of Let's join our hearts together again as we sing this next hymn. Take my life and let it be. today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 8 through 17. Keep then this entire commandment that I am commanding you today so that you may have strength to go in and occupy the land that you are crossing over to occupy and so that you may live long and in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them and to their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are about to enter to occupy is not like the land of Egypt, from which you have come, where you sow your seed and irrigate by foot like a vegetable garden. But the land that you are crossing over to occupy is a land of hills and valleys, watered by rain from the sky, a land that the Lord your God looks after. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. If you will only heed his every commandment that I am commanding you today, loving the Lord your God and serving him with all your heart and with all your soul, then he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain, the later rain, and you will gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil. 
and he will give grass to your fields for your livestock, and you will eat your fill. Take care, or you will be seduced into turning away, serving other gods, and worshiping them. For then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens, so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit. Then you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Brenda. Several weeks ago, I took a baler for a, what we call special time. We're just going to go out and do something, just the two of us, and we're trying to do that more as parents. And so I, I took Baylor just to go do a little shopping, and uh, we decided to go and have chicken wings because Gina's not a huge fan. She'll go, but she's not a huge fan. So we go to one of the more popular uh, wing places in Mankato and sit down, and it's not very busy. You know, it's like Saturday at noon, not very busy, but we sit down, and it's taken quite a while for somebody to come over to us. Like several minutes, you know, and normally you, if you have good service, someone will come and address you right away, you know, and, and offer your drinks. So sitting there, sitting there, it's been at least five minutes, uh, and I'm sitting and looking, well, I'll just decide to, um, I'll figure out what I'm going to order. And uh, that way when he comes, when the server comes, I'll be able to just tell him everything, you know, that I want. So he finally comes over after six or seven minutes and he says, oh, here, you know, and he gives me all this stuff. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll have a Diet Coke and a, a milk for her. And uh, we're going to go ahead and order already. You know, we're ready to go. And he says, let's just start with the drinks, okay? <laughs> I'm a little busy. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and it, was, it was also the tone that he said it, you know, kind of like, uh, you're kind of being a bother for me right now. So I was shocked already. And I said, okay, that's fine. And so he he goes and he gets the Diet Coke and the milk and he sets it down. And this was the real kicker. He says to me, I'll be back in a little bit, if I can, <laughs> to, get your, to get your order. Oh my goodness. So I was so shocked. I didn't really know what to do at that point. I was just like, what, what am I going to do? Uh, we got to eat somewhere and I'm, I'm mulling all the decisions. And so I said, well, if I finish this drink and he's still not back, we're, we're done. We're leaving. And I don't think I've ever walked out of a place. So that, was a big, that would be a big step for me. So I drink my whole Diet Coke. Baylor has a few sips of it. And I realized the guy is not even coming over to anybody. So at that point, I said, okay, I'm done. I throw down five bucks for our drinks, and I walked out. The service was terrible. And I knew somebody who was also there, and she had said it was even worse after I left. So I don't know if the guy, if he kept his job or what, but uh, if I was in charge, I'm not so sure he's the best fit for that position. <laughs> but when we go to a place and the service is bad, when we don't feel like uh, we're appreciated or when we're honored, if our needs aren't being met, we don't really want to put up with that, right? I mean, especially in a restaurant, if if that's their game, if that's the whole thing that they're doing, and you don't get that in return, we're out of there. <laughs> and as hard for me as it was, I said, well, enough is enough, I have to leave. But this is kind of present, this phenomenon of, of wanting our needs to be met when we go, and especially when we pay for a service. This is a phenomenon that shows up in every aspect of life. If you sign up uh, at the rec center, for example, 
and you're paying a monthly fee, you expect certain things to be there for you to use. Uh, if you go shopping on Amazon or whatever and you say, I, this is the, the good that I want, you expect that service to come back to you and you're going to get a reciprocal uh, payback for what you put into it. It's kind of our consumer mentality, our consumer culture in the world is that we expect to give a certain thing, like a, a money or time or our, uh, our energy, and we want a certain outcome in return. This is a consumer society, and unfortunately, consumerism starts to show up into the church. It's a human nature is to say, I want my needs to be met. I want to be served. I heard this said that, that, that um, the, the greatest human desire is not to have power and control. The greatest human, the greatest human desire is to be taken care of. Isn't that interesting? So when we come with this consumer mentality from everything else that works that way in the world and we come into the church with that same mentality, something's not going to work right. And we come in and we may not leave. I know that all of you here, you've endured the pandemic. <laughs> you've endured all the ups and downs of the pandemic to this point and you've not yet left. <laughs> that says that you are very faithful to this congregation at least. Hopefully that faithfulness is also tied to God. But the challenge that happens when we come in with this human nature posture of I want my heart to be served rather than to serve then instead, we may not leave, but we may not give of ourselves wholeheartedly. We might actually undercut some of the ministries that we're trying to do, or we might prevent change in some, uh, in some churches. People will prevent changes to come that would actually bring new people to Christ. Or we might say, well, I'll only give to a certain point financially because, well, I want all these other people to give. Or I'll only give of my time and energy as a way it works for me but I'm not necessarily going to give as much as I can because, well, other people should do something too. But what the pandemic has taught me is that if we come with this, again, very common, very human nature kind of posture of when I come to the church, I want to be served, well, that's setting an impossible standard, not just for the pastor, which I've been very clear about before, but also the leaders. Because what Dean expects from the church is going to be different from what Jenny expects from the church. How we serve you, Jenny, is going to be different from how we serve you, Dean. And how Christy is served, and how Deb is served, or how Renee is served. So do you see the problem here? Is that if we come with the posture of, I want to be served, my heart needs to be served, well then nobody's going to end up being served, actually. And I think that's a big reason why the church is in the position it's in today. Why we say, why is the church in such decline? It starts with our own individual heart. And we say, well, who are we serving? When we give financially, who, are, who is it that we're giving to? When we give of our time, who are we giving this time to? Is it Pastor Chad? Is it the Ad Council? Is it uh, somebody else, that may, a real mover and shaker in the church? Who are we serving in the first place? We have to ask those questions of am I coming here to be served or am I coming to serve? Am I coming to bring something? 
This has been, uh, all throughout history of, of God's people, this has been an issue. Remember Moses, he takes the people throughout the, the land and uh, God delivers them from captivity, from the Egyptians, and the people are out in the wilderness and God is providing them for them. And what do they want to do? What do they want to do, Garrett? Go back to Egypt, right? Do you remember why they wanted to go back to Egypt initially? Because of the food. <laughs> it's like they were there at, at the wings place with me and they said, we're out of here. But Moses said, well, where are you going to go? You can't go back. You're being ridiculous. God provided for them, but it wasn't to their preference. And so they wanted to go back to slavery rather than just take what God had given and say, we're going to serve you, God. And again, later, God had made a way for uh, these people to know that God was with them and that God was going to continue to provide for them, that God was going to dwell with them. And instead, the people say, well, we want to make a golden calf. We want to have a God that is just right there in front of us. And it created all kinds of problems. And then, yet again, God leads this first generation of Israelites through the wilderness and they get to the promised land. They're right on the threshold of all their dreams being fulfilled. And they send spies in and they hear how dangerous and how scary and how different the promised land is. And they don't want to go in. <laughs> they didn't want to serve God because of their own preference of what they were afraid of. Protecting themselves. Of not taking what God had given, but instead saying, we're going to be the ones who decide what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Moses is imploring now the new generation of Israelites, the ones who would enter into the promised land. He said, okay, the first generation is gone, but now you have a new opportunity to be faithful to God, to do what, your, uh, what the previous generation was not able to do. So this is what he says. Let me read it again for you. He's talking about how different the promised land is going to be. And he says, basically, you have a choice here as you enter into the promised land. If you will only heed his every commandment that I am commanding you today, loving the Lord your God and serving him with all your heart, with all your soul, serving him with all your heart and all your soul. You get the picture here. That Moses is saying, when you serve God, it's not supposed to be just a portion of your life. And that loving God, is an, uh, loving God is the first place, and serving God is the proof that you love God. And really, serving is doing the work for. So it's whatever God says needs to be done, that's what the people are wanting to do. Doing the work for, and also the meaning, it means honoring. So doing the work for God and honoring God with everything that they do. It's a very different posture than just saying, this is how I'm going to do it, which is what the Israelites tried to do. And Moses says, if you do this, if you serve God with all your heart and honor Him in everything that you do, then God will bring the rain for your crops. And you're going to take in the oil and the wine. You're going to be the ones who are blessed by your actions. I don't think that Moses is talking about in a literal sense where we can say, okay, well, if the people served God, then God would literally make it rain. I mean, some people believe that. I don't pray for rain. Uh, but you can see now how many uh, centuries later, 
how long after the fact that we see if we're not willing to serve God and let God be the Lord of our heart, there are consequences for our environment in our world. I mean, I don't, I don't see a coincidence there that that's what God says, but I don't think that Moses was talking about that in a literal sense for the Israelites, but instead he's saying, if you serve God, if you honor God, if you love God, if you do everything that God is asking you to do, then don't worry about what happens after that. Jesus says it in another way. He says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. If you stay connected to me, you'll bear much fruit. But if you try to do things your own way, it's not going to work out for you. You're not going to grow the spiritual fruit and the literal fruit, the, 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 the fruit that can be a blessing to other people. You're not going to grow it if you try to do things your own way. So Moses is imploring this new generation as they're about to enter into the promised land. Don't make the mistake that, you're, that the previous generation made. Serve God with all of your heart. Serve God. Honor God with everything that you do. And if you do, you will be blessed. And he says this, take care. There's a, there's a warning here. Take care so that you're not seduced. So that you don't start to think that some other God is the God that you should worship. Either God's in the land that they were about to enter or God's that are a lot closer to home. Like the God of ourself. Our own preferences as we talked about. The God of our own fears of making sure that the things that we're afraid of don't come to pass. Now we're taking control of our lives. Now that's the God that we're serving. How many different gods are there in our world today that we could slowly start to worship? The question I would say is, if we took an inventory of the way that you spend your time, your talents, the things you're good at, and your treasures, if we took an inventory of those things that's just between you and God, you don't have to show it to me or Jerry Lee or anybody else. If we took an inventory of those things, what... What would it show? Who are you serving? Whose work are you doing? Who are you honoring? I mean, it really starts to get down to the nuts and bolts of our life if we start to think about life that way. But this is a truth, that each of us is called to love God and serve Him with all of our heart, soul, and strength. This is what it would be like. If I'm sitting there at the restaurant with Baylor, and you know, I have uh, experience in a restaurant at a high level. I was a busser for many years. <laughs> the level of commitment that God is calling us to, each of us, that is a biblical truth, is as if, as I'm sitting there and realize that this kid can't keep up with what he's being asked to do, as if I would jump in there and say, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to start waiting these tables. I'm going to pay for all these people's meals. And I'm going to make sure that everybody's having a wonderful experience. And I would do so out of my love for chicken wings. <laughs> Anything that you do for God, any way that you serve God, that you honor God, that you show God that you love Him, is not for me, it's not for our church. It's not for the Ad Council. It's not for the SPRC. It's not for the community. It's supposed to be, first of all, for Jesus. 
to say, Lord, I love you. Thank you for the ways that you've blessed me. Now I get to give these things back to you. Show me how I can use the resources in my life. First of all, my time. Second of all, the things that I'm good at. And third, lastly, finances. That's where it really starts to hit home for us as we say, we would like this service to be here. But how much are we willing to give to ensure that it will be here? And so sometimes we might say, we're, we're going to give our time until we don't feel like giving that time anymore because we want someone else to take a turn. Or we might uh, give our talents, but only if we're not already doing something else. And we might give uh, if, if it seems like the right season in my life to do that. And I'm only going to give uh, to the level that, I've, that other people are giving as well. See, when we have that posture, we really limit the possibilities of how God can work through us. If we say, this is as much as I'm going to give until, until Deb starts doing more. <laughs> until Deb starts doing more, I'm not going to do any more. Well, now, we're really stopped here. But if everybody in this room said, I'm going to serve God with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my strength out of my love for God, if everybody did that, Unlimited, unlimited potential of what we can do here together and what we can do in this community. And we will, in fact, inspire people. We will inspire people, first of all, us. And we'll be reminded that God loves each one of us and we'll be reminded that God does work in the world today. How will we know? How will we know? Because we'll see and feel and experience God working through us. Through us. We don't have to worry about what's going on in other parts of the world, or even in Mankato, because every time that we gather, we can be equipped to serve God, to be reminded of these are the ways that you can serve God here through our church. And to be reminded that God is real, that God is working in the world because we're seeing it happen. And that's exactly what we're seeing as each of you is stepping up to serve, to do Wednesday night ministry, to come up and do the liturgy, to play, to give, continue to give financially. And we see that if each one of us is willing to give our very best, the ministry potential here is seriously unlimited. The only thing that limits what God can do, the harvest that God can bring, the rain, the wine, the oil, is us. Our hearts. Nothing can stop us if we give all of our heart and soul to Jesus. Nothing. Now, Joshua, he has the same challenge, he has the same problem. He's the one who took over for uh, Moses and actually led the people into the promised land. And they're just struggling still because this is a human heart issue. This isn't a Cornerstone UMC thing or it's, it's, it's not a United States thing. It's a human heart challenge to want to serve ourselves rather than to serve Jesus. And so at the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua says, Now therefore, revere the Lord 
and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt, and instead serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, in my household, we will serve the Lord. Friends, imagine a church full of people committed to this posture. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. And we're not going to just say that, but we're actually going to, when the inventory comes, when we do the inventory every month and say, how is my life reflecting this declaration that I've made? That's a very popular text. That when we do the inventory, we'd say, yeah, that's true. You're serving the Lord and it's showing up not just in the way that you serve the church, but also in the way that you're present in the community. That you're realizing that you carry the Holy Spirit within you. That you're bringing others to Jesus. Imagine a church with that kind of posture. Imagine the impact that we can bring. Imagine the hope that we can offer this world when we say, Jesus is the Lord Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is real. How do you know? Because look at what he's doing through us. So as a way of uh, processing these things that we've talked about, I already asked you one of these questions, but Darrell, let's flip the next slide. 